you could turn in your pew Bibles to page 9, where our scripture reading can be found today, Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 through 22. Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 through 22. Before we read, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, enlighten us by your Holy Spirit that we may see here in your word your justice, your mercy, your wrath, your love. That we may see here in this your word Jesus Christ and our salvation. To Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here now the reading of God's holy, inspired, and infallible word. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word, may he bless it to the hands, hearts, and minds of his people. Have you ever wished you could start over? Here we are a few days into a new year and... That tends to be one of the things that people do, people think about when one year passes into another. And they say, 2020 is over. And in 2021, I'm leaving all that behind and I'm, I'm starting over. That's what New Year's resolutions are about. That's what saying, hey... 2021, I'm going to start eating healthier as soon as the weekend is over. We'll start on Monday. Do-overs. Children want do-overs in their games when they don't do something right the first time. I have a toddler right now. You can hear her, obviously. If she breaks a piece of food that she has, she wants a new one. 
It magically changes. It doesn't, it's not good anymore. It's broken. She wants a do-over. Golfers, they ask for mulligans when a shot goes bad. I beat my son at the basketball game pig, and he says, best two out of three. But these are just games, right? What about life? Can we get a do-over there? What about the world? Can the world get a, a start over? Well, we're only six chapters into the Bible, and it looks like God is doing just that. You know, I named the sermon today starting over, but if you notice, there's scare quotes there. But is God really starting over? Is that what's going on here? Well, hopefully when we look at this passage, we'll see more of what's happening and see maybe it's more than just simply a start over. Our theme this morning is God remakes the world through a righteous man. God remakes the world through a righteous man. We have three points this morning. The first is a lily among the thorns. The second is the blueprints. And the third is a covenant of life. The first is a lily among the thorns. That uh, is the first thing that popped into my mind when I read this first part of our scripture passage this morning, verses 9 through 13. It begins by opening a new section of the book of Genesis, the Toledoth. This is the Toledoth of Noah. Um, if you look in other translations, the ESV names this is the generations of Noah. Some translations put this is the book of Noah. So each section, when it talks about these family narratives, right? We've got, this is the book of Adam. This is the book of Noah. This is the book of Abraham. This is the Toledoth. These are ten sections in the book of Genesis. And we're opening up a new section in the book of Genesis on Noah. This is the Toledoth of Noah. This is the account of Noah. We're told very important things about Noah. We're told he's a righteous man, blameless Blameless in the sense that uh, he's not without sin, but that he stands above and, and outside of the rest of the people who are living in the world at that time. Blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God. And this is something that should bring to mind what we're told about Enoch the one who walked with God and was no more, he was taken, that walking with God is a description of obedience to God, living for God, living close to God in fellowship with God, sort of like what we're told about Adam and Eve, that they would walk in the garden in the cool of the day with God, right? There's a walking with God alongside God, and it's described in the New Testament as this keeping in step with the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. A lily among the thorns is the description that Solomon gives to his wife in the book of Song of Songs. And his description there is really to say that you are a special one amongst non-special ones. You're the lily among the thorns. You're the beautiful one among the prickly, pokey things. And here... We're told Noah's a righteous man, a blameless among the people of his time. He walked with God... But, in verse 11, the earth was corrupt in God's sight, was full of violence. And God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, 
I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Now the question we have to ask ourselves is, what makes Noah different? What makes Noah stand out amongst the crowd, to be the, the lily among the thorns of his generation, of his time here on earth? What is it that makes him that way? There's really only two answers that we can have to that question. And it all depends upon our understanding of the fall of mankind in Genesis 3. When Adam and Eve fell and God cursed them, And we became fallen in sin. Either that means that we're totally corrupted by that sin, not only in the things that we do, but in our very heart and mind. Or it means that we have now become capable of sin, and but we can choose not to sin, and we can be good if we want to be good. Or we can be bad if we want to be bad. Well, the entire biblical narrative plays out for us the reality that because of what Adam and Eve chose of their own free will, humanity has so fallen, has so become corrupt, that what we want to do is always sin. And the rest of the world has fallen into that corruption. In this scripture passage, we are told the earth was corrupt in God's sight, full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. This is the result of being fallen in sin. It is the way we would go, but for the grace of God. And this is something we have to get into our minds. Because the truth is, some people look at this passage about Genesis and about a worldwide flood and about a God who would wipe out the entire population of the entire world and say, this is wrong. This God is murderous vindictive, evil. When the truth of the matter is that God could have wiped out every single human being in this flood, including Noah and his family, and he would have been completely just to do so, righteous to do so. There would not be any injustice with God. That was not God's desire. And so in His grace and in His mercy, God works in the life of Noah to sustain him. 
to make Noah a righteous man by grace. To make Noah blameless among the people of his time. To cause it that Noah would walk with him. God is the one who watered Noah that he may be a lily among the thorns. It's nothing short of grace. Noah is not saved in this flood because Noah deserved it. It's because God, in his great wisdom, in his sovereignty, in his grace, and in his mercy, is showing us something. And this picture of a world wiped out, full of sin and violence, and one man kept through it. It's that God is going to remake the world through a righteous man. Not Noah. As we'll be soon to find out, Noah is a sinner too. God is coming to remake the world through Jesus Christ, the righteous man. The true lily among the thorns. The one who is blameless, yet was killed, murdered for crime he did not commit. The one who walked with God because he was God. The one who came to the world corrupt in God's sight, full of violence, and took the flood of God's wrath upon himself. Drank the cup, every last drop. So that we could have life. But what about the blueprints? The blueprints, we're told that God's plan then to preserve Noah and his family, God's plan then in his grace and his mercy to begin to foreshadow a new heaven, a new earth through this flood the way that he's going to bring salvation. This is what Noah is to do. Verse 14, make yourself an ark of cypress wood. By the way, we don't really know if that's cypress wood. We don't know the Hebrew meaning of that word. That's what your Bible says. Make rooms in it. Coat it with pitch inside and out to make it waterproof. This is how you're to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long. By the way, I don't think they use the, uh, the, the metric. No, that's not the metric system. What is the system we use here in America? It's the only one we use. It's the one besides the metric system? Oh, yeah. See, we're the only ones who don't want to do the metric system, but we're going we're gonna to translate this Bible and put it in that system. 450 feet, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Make a roof for it. Finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens 
Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. And so this is God's plan. Build a boat, Noah. Build a boat. But don't you find it interesting that here God says, here's the blueprints. It's like when you get a Christmas present and it's a bike and you didn't put it together. And so the rest of the Christmas day, some assembly required, right? Or you're putting together that, that, uh, the Tots kitchen set or whatever it may be. And the directions are in really bad broken English because they're translated from Chinese. You know how it goes. God gives the blueprints. He tells Noah, you're going to build an ark. You're going to build a boat, and this is how you're going to build it. Here's your measurements. Here's how you're going to build it. Here's the length, the width, the height. Here's how you're going to make it waterproof. And this is important for us to hear, to know, because... This means that we have a God that speaks to us. We have a God that does not simply say, I'm going to bring a flood on the whole earth, I'm going to destroy everything, and you're on your own. We have a God who gives us the instructions. We have a God who gives us His Word. If there's one thing that I believe should give you confidence as you go into 2021 is that we have a God who has spoken. We have a God who's given us his word. Just like he told Noah, this is how you need to build the ark. Here's the measurements. Here's the blueprints. And we understand, of course, that Noah then had to, in obedience, Build that ark. Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. God said the ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. And Noah did everything just as God commanded him. He put the ark together, but God gave him the blueprints. You see, we aren't people who are out in la-la land searching for what God wants us to do, what God's calling us to do, how God's calling us to live. We aren't these unanchored, untethered people who are carried about by every wind of doctrine because we don't know what God has said to us. God has spoken. God gave Noah his word. Here's the blueprints. Put it together. Can you imagine what it would have been like if God had said, this is what I want you to do, Noah. Build a boat. I don't know, maybe Noah would have known how to put a boat together, but God didn't do that, did he? 
He said, this is how long it's supposed to be. This is how wide it's supposed to be. This is how tall it's supposed to be. This is how you're going to waterproof it. This is how you need to make it lower, middle, upper deck. So Noah wasn't left without instructions. He wasn't left without the blueprints. I watched a video recently, and it was um, a conversation between what they called a conservative Christian and a progressive Christian about um, LGBTQ issues. And the conservative, conservative Christian had the position that, well, the Bible says that God made marriage for one man, one woman, forever, uh, for life. And that's what God said, so that, I believe that's what's going to be for our blessing and for our benefit and, and, and for our flourishing as, uh, as people. And I say conservative because... I don't really particularly like the, the definition of conservative versus progressive, progressive Christian. This is what I would have called it. Bible-believing Christian, and I don't even know why you would even call this other person a Christian, because his answer was, well, if there is a higher power up there that's told us what he wants us to do, then I'm not really certain why we uh, can be positive about that because the church has been wrong so many times about what the Bible has said on this issue or that issue. And the whole time I was thinking to myself, this person calls himself a Christian and doesn't know that God has spoken in his word? And here he is, a perfect representation of what happens when we become untethered, unanchored from what God has said. What if Noah was sitting there saying, well, I think there's a God up there, and I think he said that he's going to bring a flood on this whole world, and I think he said he wants me to build an ark 75 feet wide and 45 feet high and make a roof within 18 inches of the top and put a door in the side and make lower, middle, and upper decks and put pitch on the outside and the inside. I think he said that, but I mean, I can't really be sure. That's not what happened, because God spoke. God spoke. Now, what I did appreciate about that video was the, the kindness and the compassion and the, and the respect that these two had with each other when they had this conversation, which is hard to see nowadays. You don't see it very often. On two people who disagree on everything, still treating each other with the dignity of people who are made in the image of God deserve. But one believed that God had spoken, and one didn't. And it showed. God has given us the blueprints. God has spoken to us in his word. And just like God told Noah, 
You need to make an ark because judgment is coming. Wrath is coming. This world is going to be destroyed. And you need to make it 75 feet wide, 450 feet long, 45 feet high. Make a roof with a finish. The ark to within 18 inches of the top. Door on the side. Lower, middle, upper decks. Pitch on the inside and outside. God has now spoken to us of the ark that has come in Jesus Christ. Our salvation of the judgment that is to come in the second Judgment upon this world. The one that's going to come with fire rather than water. And this is what God has told us. Jesus Christ has come. He's lived. He's died. He's been risen. He's been raised again. And by believing in him and believing that upon the cross, your sin was poured out. Your judgment, the judgment that you deserve for your sin was poured out upon Jesus Christ. He died for your sin so that you could live He lived a righteous life so that you could be seen as righteous. Now, if you believe in him, you trust in his completed and finished work, you'll receive eternal life. And you will enjoy perfect fellowship with God in the new heavens and the new earth forever. God has spoken. That's the blueprints, the gospel. Believe. Believe and you will be saved from the wrath to come. And finally, a covenant of life. And this is what Noah, or this is what God makes with Noah. Beginning in verse 18, God tells him. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to destroy everything. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You're to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for them. God makes a covenant with Noah for the continuation of humanity. A covenant of life, a covenant that says, Noah, all of the rest of life is going to be destroyed, but I'm going to make, remake the world through a righteous man. And although we will find out soon enough that that righteous man is not Noah, it is through Noah and his descendant Abraham and his descendant Isaac, and his descendant Jacob, and his descendant David, and his descendant on and on until we come to Jesus Christ, the righteous man, whom through God is going to remake the world, whom through God is going to redeem humanity. So it's this covenant of life with Noah, with humanity, a covenant that we will find later has the sign of a rainbow in the sky, the promise of not destroying the world like this again, has with it the understanding that, that, that taking a life means you lose your life, capital punishment, the per- preservation of life, because it is through humanity that Jesus will come to save humanity. 
It's a covenant of life with Noah and his family, which communicates to us that, that the ordinary way that God works in our world is through families, through generations, carrying on the faith, carrying on the tradition, carrying on the truths of God's word and the good news of the gospel and giving it to our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and our great-great-grandchildren. It's this covenant of life that God makes with Noah that he says all the rest of creation is going to be wiped out, but Noah, because of my grace, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve this, but no, because of my grace, because of my mercy, because I have a plan to bring redemption into time and history through Jesus Christ, my son, Noah, I am going to remake the world through a righteous man. And because that righteous man is going to come through your lineage, Noah, I'm going to keep you. I'm going to preserve you. That ark is going to be not only for the animals, Two of every kind. It's going to be for you. To keep you alive. You and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. To be the first of humanity on a new world, a new earth. To start over. So that I can show my grace and my wrath. So I can show that I am a righteous God and a merciful God. No, I'm going to make a covenant with you to keep you alive. To not give up on humanity. I've made in my image, although in their own free will they chose to rebel against me and fall into corruption and sin. Noah, I am preserving you. So that through you, your Savior might come. The one that will cleanse you from your sin, the one that will take the flood of my wrath upon him very, him, him very self, his very own body, to free you from the condemnation that you deserve. We're only six chapters into the Bible, and it looks like God is starting over. But is that really what's going on here? What's really going on here is that God is remaking the world through a righteous man. Not Noah, but Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given us your word, that you in your grace and mercy preserved humanity through Noah. And that through Noah you brought salvation to humanity in Jesus Christ, your Son. We thank you, Lord, that you did not wipe us out. And we pray, Lord, that we would look to the gospel, that we would be saved.
by Jesus Christ. Being baptized into him, receiving the salvation that is foreshadowed in the ark that Noah and his family were on. We praise you, Lord, that even here in this scripture, you're foreshadowing what you're going to do in Jesus Christ, your son. And we praise you, Lord, that that same grace and mercy that you showed Noah, you have shown us, your people as well. Saving us from your wrath in Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we, as your people, would continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ, knowing that there is a judgment to come, a remaking of the world a new heavens and a new earth that's going to come in the return of Jesus Christ to judge the living and the dead. We pray that you would make us ready for that, Lord, and call us to make others ready for it as well. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.